Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Listen, Learn and Burn podcast, hosted by Phil Williams and Jen Kay, co-owners of Lift, Learn and Burn, the online coaching service created to transform the body and minds of females. Getting out and getting steps in can sometimes feel like you're walking for the sake of walking, which is why we're on a mission to make your walks a little bit more fun. So get off the couch, throw your headphones in and get those feet moving. Oh, and if you're in England, it's probably best you take a coat because it's more than likely chucking it down. Every week, we'll be going in-depth into a specific topic related to female weight loss. We know how overwhelming and overcomplicated weight loss can be, so we make sure to cut out all the big fancy words and bring you the information that you need to know. And if you're not sure how to start your journey, then head over to our website now to get your hands on our free fat loss guide. Phil just started doing that and um, I thought he was going to carry on recording. Hello, by the way. I was trying to hype us up. I was going to start with this. All right, all right, all right. What's that from? Magic Mike, so you've probably all seen it. Oh, I'm a big fan of Magic Mike, actually. <laughs> Great am. magician, yeah. <laughs> probably a different Magic Mike to you. There is a Magic Mike in Winston. Who no, is, it's called um, Mike Magic. Oh, damn. <laughs> Mike <laughs> Magic. Magic. <laughs> Magic Mike was taken. I think it was, yeah. It was quite a big film, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, he is. There's a little advertisement for him in Wigan, isn't there? A little advertisement for Mike Magic. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, oh, yeah. How's right. it going? Terrific, I've just had a coffee, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling right, all sorry for myself today. Why? Because I don't feel very well. You don't, do you? I just slept. Oh, Phil. That was your email. Wasn't my email? You just unmuted your laptop, do you know that? Oh, so it clearly wasn't my email then. <laughs> Hang on, one sec. Yeah, it was my emails. <laughs> my bad. Um, We're 53 episodes in, why do we not yet know to mute our oh, laptops Phil, to Phil, Phil, there's many reasons why we will never be that capable. Oh, we've got so many exciting things coming up with the podcast soon as well. We need to get good at podcasts because yeah. of what we've got coming up. Like, we need to get better. Yeah. I don't think it's necessary. All right, well, we won't then. That's fine. I actually, I don't do think know, we need to put that undue stress on ourselves. I forgot to <laughs> tell you this little story last night, you know, when I went around to your mum and dad's. Yeah. yeah. I made a comment about me growing up and your dad just laughed and was like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, guys. Thanks. None of, we were talking this last night, weren't we? None of our family believed that we're ever going to be good adults, I don't think. Really. No, it wasn't about being a good adult. All oh, right. It was about growing up. Not being a child. I think growing up and being a good adult is two very different oh, things. Yeah. You I can don't be childish and a good adult, can't you? Yeah, but I think being a good adult has a different definition to what people actually believe. I think people think that being a good adult is having like a pristine house. You never have like a washing basket that's full. There's never any washing up to do. There's never like a crumb anywhere. You're always putting the plates away. And I'm like, that that's not being a good adult. That's... But what about putting the bins out? Putting the, Yeah, all these little jobs. Like there's so many tasks that it's a job in itself. Yeah. I just think, I'm going to be 100% honest. If you're listening to this now, you're just getting through each day and your house is kind of upside down but doesn't smell bad enough that you do want to be in it you're doing all right i think that's enough it is redefining what an adult looks that's like that's what it should be though like right so so what that you overfilled the bin who cares like do you know, oh it took you a bit longer to take the bin out it's all right it's fine that plate that's on the living room table it's fine if you don't move it yet don't rush down it's okay you don't have to move that cup so like that costa cup that's over there that we can see now that doesn't have to go in the bin straight away not causing any harm Everything's fine. The house is okay. Thanks for my peps out there. We're not going to get kicked out. Oh, God. Fantastic. What if I kick you out? You can't. Shan't. Oh, you're starting jujitsu tonight, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. You excited? I'll kick you out after that. Yeah. (laughs) Be able to, well, it's more wrestling, isn't it? Be able to wrestle me out the door. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait for everybody on our street to see you rolling me out the door tonight. (laughs) 
Your friend's done it though, and he said it was quite defensive, didn't he? Self defense, yeah. Self-defense. So as long as I don't attack you, we're all good. Yeah, yeah. You can you can sleep safe knowing that as, as long as you're not attacking me, you're gonna be safe. I have no plans to attack you, so don't. Phil panic. did make a good point in that as soon as I come, I'm gonna go come home and be like, Phil, look at this. What I learned. Yeah, tonight. it's gonna be so annoying. Stand there and do this, and then I can show you what I did. Yeah, she'd be like, right. What I want you to do is put your arm around my neck here, and then put your hand there. No, not there. Put it here. No, put your arm around the. No, grab me. I'd be like, well, this isn't really self-defense, is it? Worst part is you wanted to go as well, didn't you? I did, but we've got a dog, so we can't. Both go to well, we could if we had a normal dog that was capable of staying on his own for any length of time. That's very true, yeah. We're working on it though, aren't we? We're getting there. We're going we're gonna to have to. Apparently we've bought the neediest dog in the entire world, although we, we have found out that cockapoos are actually quite needy. Well, not only have we bought the neediest dog in the world, we give him everything he needs as well. <laughs> we've, we've actually answered every cry that he's asked for and we're now finally stamping down on it and saying, no, Reggie. I will. I shouldn't have shouted his name. He's going to come running up. No, Reggie. I will make sure that I don't give you every speck of attention that you require. Do you think we created that? No, I didn't think we created it. I just think we responded. Do you think? Oh yeah. I don't think we did. I mean, we didn't leave him alone for the first two months. Oh yeah, because he wouldn't <laughs> let us. Yeah, but that's the point, isn't it? Because oh, we didn't know how to leave him yeah. alone because he just constantly barked as soon as we left the room. Like, he'd blink and wouldn't sleep. He'd blink and we'd be like, "Oh, he needs us." When in reality, you probably didn't. You probably need to blink. Like, it's all right. We can just leave him for 10 minutes. Oh, it's so fine. we created it. Well, we didn't create it, did we? We just responded to it. It's fine. It's going to be Aww. okay, Jen. Like I said, we've got some big things coming for the podcast. I'm going to have to not only get good at podcasts, but we're going to have to get him to behave as well. Have we seen the theme of me feeling sorry for myself today? I've whined about Reggie and about the house and yeah, about being an adult. Yeah. Sorry for being a... It's going to be a right moany podcast <laughs> episode, this, isn't it? I'm so sorry. I will pick myself up. Good. Because if you don't, who will? Hurt you. Probably, yeah. (laughs) Probably right, yeah. Anyway, episode 53. How to fill up your own cup before you fill up everyone else's. I feel like if you're a people pleaser... Vimto, please. um, Vimto? I'd like some Vimto, please. How long was you thinking of that joke before we got started, Jen? It really wasn't. Did that just roll off the tongue? Yeah, it did. Fantastic. I'm proud of myself. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Glad you are. I made another joke when you went out there. Did you? What did you say last night? I don't, are you going to let me start this episode? I talk no. about previous jokes. No, previous jokes because I did <laughs> There's a really one at good the one. end. There's a good one at you the end. You said something about Hebrews last night, mm. and, and I've made you a cup of tea, and I said, "Aha, no, Hebrews." Yeah. <laughs> don't know why you said Hebrews and what context it was. Oh, because I thought you said Hebrew. You said you bruised there. <laughs> but because I was on my way out and I was rushing to try and get to my dad's, I weren't listening properly. And I thought you said Hebrew. And I was Hebrews. like, Hebrew? And you went, no, she bruised. <laughs> and then you shouted at me and said, why aren't you laughing? Can you understand now why I was confused? I thought you said Hebrews. You replied with she bruised. And I'm like, I'm just trying to get out the front door. I've already said bye three times to you, imagine. Yeah, and then I said, why aren't you laughing? And you said, look, I am. And you were smiling. And then we had a whole discussion about the difference between laughing and smiling. Yeah, this is why we get nothing done. And that laughing needs to have a noise. Yeah, laughing needs to have a noise, yeah, apparently. It does, doesn't it? No, because your best laugh is the one where you don't make a noise. Oh, yeah, but that's like peak laugh. Like <laughs> That's good to know. Cause I make the other night, we laughed so much that both of us were silent laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And that made me laugh more because we were both silent laughing. If someone was looking in through the window and couldn't hear it, well, there was nothing to hear. It just looked like we were screaming into the air. <laughs> anyway, episode 53, we'll try again. How to fill up your own cup before you fill up and everyone else's. Jen's going to say Vimto. It's going to be really funny. We're all going to laugh and then I'm going to carry on. It's all right. Vimto. Terrific. Ha ha ha. Anyway, <laughs> today 
we're thinking about how often we spend trying to give out our time, our energy, our effort, everything that we've got to everybody else. And then about because of the fact that we do that, then we forget to give back to ourselves. So if you're somebody who considers yourselves to be like a people pleaser, a helper, a giver, a curer, whatever title you attach yourself to, whether it's because of the way you've been brought up, whether it's because of life now, whether it's because of the job that you do, you probably found at some point in the past that you've been unable to give to yourself. And at Lifflin and Burn, we have oh, an absolute abundance of people. We really have, haven't we? We realised this the other night. Yeah, we've got... I mean, I'm not going to be able to name them all. But... solicitors, lawyers, nurses. Um, nurses, any kind of hospital. We've got absolutely tons of hospital-type workers, haven't we? Absolutely. Managers. Um, can't think of any more. We've got quite... I think that makes up quite a large chunk yeah, of um, that's probably people at Lifflin and Burn, isn't it? LMB. And all of those jobs require us... I mean, every job does in reality. Every job requires us to give some kind of energy, but... I feel like when you, your energy is given to another human being, it can take a slightly different turn. It can have a different impact because when you're giving your energy to something, that something might not take anything from you. But when you're giving your energy to another human and you are considering yourself to be a giver or a people pleaser, that person can quite easily take advantage of that and think, hang on, this person is literally doing everything for me right now. Like mm. absolutely doing all the time and effort and energy that I should be putting in they're doing it so I'm just going to allow them and I read something a while ago that I'm going to absolutely butcher but it said something along the lines of you need to be careful of how much time you give to a taker because a taker doesn't have a limit oh like that mm. and they don't they will, they will just keep taking they keep taking and taking and taking and it, it's so difficult to find a limit for yourself because you attach that title of I'm a people pleaser I want to I want to please them I want them to be happy I want to give I want to care I want to look after them I want to help them and so we don't want to then stop because it's like not really an attachment to our current identity we don't want to hold back from that but there's loads of dangers to that isn't there yeah there is a lot and I'm just gonna kind of caveat this with this is us speaking from a place of love and understanding because both of us have been there. Oh, gotcha. Both of us have pushed ourselves to the absolute limit with being givers mm-hmm. and helpers. Like, we both feel that, and we are both passionate about the fact that we were put on this earth to help people. Like, we both have always said that, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what our role was, we knew that it was going to be to help people in some way. And we actually both started out in teaching roles, didn't we? You we did. swiftly left very quickly in very comparison quickly. to me. Mm. Uh, I suffered for I mean, a good five to six you years. Weren't there, you wasn't there very long, but I somehow managed to get out a lot quicker. <laughs> yeah. You actually managed to nosedive it before um, you actually started your teacher training, didn't you? You did some... Yeah, I decided to You worked in the TA in a school and the intention was to be a teacher. You did a teaching degree as well, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you didn't actually get a teaching qualification at the end. Stupidest course you've ever done. Not, oh, I don't know if it's the stupidest course I've ever done. There's been quite a lot of stupid <laughs> courses I've done, Jenna. Yeah, I know, but it was a fully quality, like everything was directed to teaching. We didn't even know each other at this point, but I've heard this story quite a few times because it really enrages me that you do a three year degree where everything is directed to teaching and there's no like teaching qualification at the end. Yeah, every single Bonkers. lecture. We The way it was set up was you do a lecture on a topic and then you go to a seminar pretty much on how to teach that topic. And then all of the practical lessons that we did for physical education were based around how to teach physical education and all the assessment was done based on you taking a class, how Craziness. to teach a class, health and safety, um, how to teach effectively. And then at the end of it, 
right now you get to go and apply for a teaching qualification. I was like, hang on a minute. Mm. Isn't that what I've just been doing for three years? Wait, do you do that? Actually, do you not do that when an actually, it's actually a specific teaching one? I don't know, because I, I went in a very different route. I did my degree and then I did skill direct and got PGC. But do you not have to do it when you do like three year teaching degree? Do you not have to go and do a PGC anyway? Mm. Oh, so it's just normal then that, isn't it? Yeah, but why spend three years teaching me how to teach if I'm going to have to do... Why do, They should have spent three years teaching me all the like academic side of it. Mm, true. And then I go do a teaching degree. Yeah, that makes sense. Thoughts. But you were very good at it because I got you in doing some teaching with my kids and um, as like a PT, didn't I? Yeah, Like you coming did. in doing it Thank and you, you were brilliant. Much. And I Thanks. remember being shocked and then you were like, you do realise I've trained in this, yeah? Yeah. And I, I was like, yeah, but like you were that. so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I worked in... Um, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on the podcast before. I worked in like a behaviour unit in high school. So I wasn't like... Not that there's anything wrong with the TAs that go around with the, the individual kids because that's a job in itself. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. That wasn't my role. So I worked within a classroom setting. So it meant that I did have a lot of like classroom experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when Jen asked me to go in, I was like, yeah, I've kind of done this before. I'll be all right. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll work this out. But yeah, I, we both had roles where we've had to give and help and care and please and not filled up our own buckets haven't we yeah and i think we've both experienced a lot of the dangers so burnout uh, feeling like we've literally got no time to look after ourselves and may i stress here that is a feeling mm-hmm. and not a fact <laughs> but feeling like we've no time to do anything for ourselves um a lack of energy and motivation being really hard and critical on yourself for things that maybe you're not doing that you feel like you should be doing um, and just never feeling like you can give enough and all of that can leave you in a pretty rough place with yourselves both mentally and physically and actually for myself which I'll tell you a little bit more in a minute actually really led to a lot of my mental health problems I would say. I found it quite difficult as well because I remember when I was a PT and I don't think I noticed it and that was the hardest part about the whole experience that I remember almost having to be told that... I don't know if you can hear the window cleaner. Oh, is that what it is? Absolutely terrified me. I thought Reggie had escaped from his crate and was coming upstairs. Jen just reacted like Reggie does when he hears a noise, when he doesn't know what's going on. It's literally someone just scraping the window with a brush. Um, (laughs) You'll probably hear it in a sec when he starts to do the office window. It's fine. Anyway, yeah, when I was PT, I didn't actually notice the impact it was having and I think that was the big difficult part because... I was attaching this phrase of, I'm a people pleaser, I'm a giver, I'm a helper, I'm going to make sure that I can give absolutely everything to the clients that I've got. And I still have that opinion right now that I want to give absolutely everything to the clients that I've got, but I just do it in a different way now. Because back when I was a PT, my focus was, how can I make sure that my clients are getting everything? How can I put them first so that their physical and mental health is on a pedestal and they're getting everything that they require on a day-to-day basis? But what it meant was that I was turning down the opportunities to actually look after me. So I went through quite a long period of time where I think it was about five or six months where I didn't train. I rarely saw sunlight because I was getting into the gym at about quarter to six in the morning and leaving at about 10 o'clock at night. So I didn't really see sunlight. And I can vouch for this because you didn't have a car at the time. So I was like feeling sorry for you and people pleasing once again and turning up after yeah. I'd worked a long day to pick you up because I felt bad for you. <laughs> yeah, I was getting the bus to and from work. So like, I wasn't seeing sunlight. I wasn't doing any steps outside. So the steps that I were doing were solely on the gym floor. I was constantly doing what I was basically asked to do. So, and we'll go on some strategies that you can use if this does happen to you at any point in a, in a few minutes. But 
if somebody would say, oh, Phil, can you do this? My answer was always yes. It didn't matter what the question was. Phil, can you cover this spin class? Yes. Phil, can you cover this five-hour shift? Yes. Phil, can you move my PT session from seven in the morning till seven at night? Yes. Phil, can you do that? I, I was just saying yes because I wanted to please everybody. I wanted to make sure that everybody was happy. And as I said, this meant that I didn't train. Nutritionally, was all over the place. I was doing like fifteen to 20,000 steps a day because I was on the gym floor PT, I wasn't seeing sunlight and I was basically eating probably somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 calories a day, which isn't enough for probably somebody who was half my size and doing half the movement that I was doing. Here he is, window cleaner. I don't know if you can hear him in the background. With his little uh, fancy mop function. I mean, it's not little and it's a brush. No, it's I know. massive because it he's, like... stu he's stood in the back garden and he's washing our windows upstairs yeah. so it can't be that small it looks like something out of Monsters Inc think yeah if you didn't know he had a window clean you'd think the world was ending there was a Honestly, brush trying to get in he's deadly <laughs> the brush trying to get in yeah. I wish you could see this it's much funnier when you can see it I think we'll start releasing he's dead good at that isn't he oh, good job it's six quid a week <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I was in a position where I, like I said, I just didn't notice it. And it was people around me like who were kind of mentioning it. And I remember my manager basically telling me, um, I remember mine saying to me, like, this is, you need to start. In fact, I think he asked me the question, when was the last time you trained? And I was like, uh, February? And it was like <laughs> August. <laughs> um, it was ridiculous. It was absolutely horrendous. I was shattered. But like I said, I was trying to give the best to my clients. And it was only later on that I discovered that I was giving such a bad service to my clients because I was feeling like crap. Like I felt mm. rubbish. I was tired. I had no and energy. You were getting up at like half three in the morning and getting back to Wigan at like ten at night, half ten at night, something like that. Uh, about quarter to eleven, yeah, I'd get in. I'd walk in the front door. So I'd get in bed about like eleven after I'd got my stuff ready for the day after. So yeah, I was getting up at half three, getting to bed about quarter past eleven, something like that, I think. So I just, the service I was giving was terrible. I, what, I was telling everybody I was a people pleaser whilst pleasing absolutely nobody. <laughs> nobody was happy. But I think that's happen. the thing. I think people pleasing is almost like this thing to brag about yeah. or seen as this thing like, oh, I just like, I just do my best like for everyone. I just, mm. just want to help, make sure I help everyone. And I think the sooner we can realise that, one, we can never, ever help everyone. No, physically impossible. And two, we will never please everyone no, because I think that was a big thing for me. Like, I didn't understand it if, like, someone didn't like me mm. or, like, whatever. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, but I, I try really hard. Like, I try my absolute best to be nice to everyone and go out of my way to do what I can to kind of make them like me, essentially. Because you had all this when you were teaching, didn't <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah, definitely. And I think... I found it really difficult and challenging when I started teaching and I kind of headbutted with a few teachers because I worked, I, no, I worked in like a three-form entry school and um, I had quite a high standard of work and um, it wasn't always the case with the other teachers that I worked with and I found that really, really, really difficult and I was never like nasty about it but it was more the pressure that I put on myself because I didn't feel like I was working to the standard I knew I could but I wanted to please that person so I would never say anything about it and just it, it just ended up in a whole lot of mess <laughs> basically um but I think if anyone knows a teacher or is teaching or has been a teacher you will probably get this without me even needing to say anything um but 
teaching is such a giving role. You spend all day giving, 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 and then you come home and you don't stop doing that because all you think about is what you could have done better, what you still got to do, that never-ending list, because there is always something to do in teaching. And I worked in very, very, very disadvantaged areas. And for a large percent, I think I learned this one very quickly to detach, <laughs> but for a large percentage of the first bit of my career, I also took home with me the stories that I heard about the children and their home lives. And it used to really like take over my life. And I would try and think of ways that I could help that child in some way. And it's just, I did learn that one very quickly that I can't help, I can't save them all. Um, And I think I was the same as Phil. Like, I started my career, I would be in work at seven o'clock, I would come home, but I would then... I've done four hours work. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'd come home and I wouldn't stop working early doors till probably, like, 11. Now, bearing in mind, I would normally go to bed at, like, half nine, ten. Mm. So I was working way past when I knew I needed to sleep and I'm not very good when I've not had enough sleep. Um, so I would um, be constantly working. I wouldn't take any breaks at all at school. Every break that I took or every break that I had, I would either be marking or doing something to get ready for my next lesson. Um, I isolated myself from a lot of people in school because I just felt like I needed to get stuff done. Now, the, the longer I went on my career, the better I got at this and the more boundaries I was able to set. And that's probably one thing that we're going to talk about in a minute. But I just consistently and constantly worked to burn out. And if you're a teacher listening right now, <laughs> there's one thing I can tell you is that I wish I had realised before I left teaching is nothing that a teacher ever does will ever, ever, ever be good enough. Ever. Because there is always more that you could do. And I tell a story to highlight this. I remember I had one class when I was teaching in year six who came in working at, so getting the, the, the standard they needed to be at for their age, 40% of the class were there. I got them by the end of year six, 80%. I walked in on SATS results day to the head teacher and he said, Literally, this was the first thing he said, looks like we need to look at reading next year then, doesn't it? No word of, wow, that's incredible, look at what you did with maths, that is sensational, English has gone up as well, just looks like we need to look at reading this year. Um, And I think that highlight, oh, that was a real moment for me where I just went, oh, wow, like, (laughs) I'm never going to be good enough, am I? Like, I'm never, ever going to be able to do enough that someone's going to turn around to me and go, yeah, you're doing a good job. And I think that is a thing when you're a people pleaser. No one ever t- kind of takes that time out to go, you're doing a really good job mm-hmm. because they will just allow you to be that person, won't they? They will, and that's a big part of it. And I think it's really important now we do dive into the different strategies. But as we do that, I think it's really important to say that you set your own intentions for how Mm. you're potentially going to receive comments, which is a really Mm. difficult thing to hear because it then almost makes it sound like we're putting the blame on you. And that's not necessarily the case because there's no one to blame. But if you're somebody who's constantly just taking in information and doing as you're told and someone says, can you do this? Can you do that? I've learned from experience that more people will just ask. Mm. And The first thing that is, you know, the first thing that we need to do, as Jen just mentioned, is set those boundaries. Because Mm. if you're somebody who will always say yes, 
then people will always ask you first. If you're at a, at a job where people are just happy to send you information late, so therefore you're working late, they'll just keep sending it late because they know you're the one that's going to work late. Now, what you often find is that that person isn't willing to work late. They're not working late. Absolutely not. So they're going to do that job tomorrow. And because they're going to do it tomorrow, it means you get the information late. And because you get the information late, you're then going to work late. But if you actually said, you know what? No, this isn't good enough. Actually, I require that, what you've just sent me 24 hours ago. So I'm only going to do it tomorrow. And they might say, oh, but then you'll miss the deadline. Well, that's fine. That's your fault, not mine. And it's that idea of setting boundaries that's really tough. And it makes you sound as if you're the bad person, but you're not. Because ultimately, you're looking after you and setting your own boundaries. Because that work you're doing till 8 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, 3 o'clock in the morning, it isn't good. And I know that sounds horrible, but it's not. Because nobody works that well at 3 o'clock in the morning. Nobody works that well at 11 o'clock at night. I know I don't. I mean, let's say, for example, you're listening to this right now. And I'm your coach. What time do you want me to be writing your training program? At 3 o'clock in the afternoon or at 3 o'clock in the morning? Where do you think I'm going to get the best set of work done? Do you think your training program is going to be great if I'm writing it at three in the morning? Or do you think it's going to be much better if I'm writing it at three in the afternoon when I'm feeling fresh, I've got energy, my mind's not fogged up and I'm ready to go? Of course you want me to write the one at three o'clock in the afternoon. But I set that boundary for myself and I never used to. I used to finish the PT job. I'd be doing work on the bus on the way home. And that work, I can tell you now, was terrible. It was awful and i think there'll be people because i've had this conversation with clients going well i literally have no control over my boundaries like people particularly i've heard a lot in like working in hospitals and things like this like we are in like a staffing crisis like i can't not say no or um like people like solicitors or lawyers who are just like i can't not do that work because physically if it doesn't happen like there are certain times where you can't take control of that boundaries, but I think it's being honest with yourself and looking at it and going, can I do something about that? So do I have any control over that? Am I creating those boundaries in my head or is it a genuine boundary that has to be created for me? Is there anybody else who can do it? Is there a manager that I can speak to about the way I'm feeling? Can they put any extra support in place? Once you've ticked all those boxes, it's then right, well, I think it still has to be done, then when am I taking some time off? When is mm-hmm. um my next day off? How am I going to utilise that to my best advantage to fill my cup back up? Like, I understand, or we understand, should we say, that there are going to be certain times where that is a little bit out of your control, but it's about doing everything that you can do and then also when you get the opportunity, taking it or creating that opportunity for that downtime for yourself after a particularly stressful time. I think that's a big part of it. It's that story we tell ourselves, isn't it? Because I was that person that if I'd have listened to this podcast episode like five years ago, I'd be like, you don't understand, Phil. I've got so much to do. You don't realise how much work I've got to do. I have to do this. But when I look back, I'm like, well, I didn't. I created that for myself because I kept saying yes to everybody. I kept saying yes to this and yes to that and yes to that. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do this. I felt like I had to do it because I told myself I had to do it because if I didn't have to do it, I wouldn't be keeping everybody else happy. Mm. But in reality, I wasn't happy. And I was working with people alongside me who were so much happier than me and doing so much less than me because they had the capability to set the boundary and to say no. And what I learned was that it wasn't just saying no. It's not about refusing to do things. It's just about finding some... What's the word I'm looking for? Like the When you both come to an agreement, a, it begins with C, I think. Common ground? Not common ground. Um, don't 
They say a lot about relationships. To have a good relationship, you need to, like... Compromise. Compromise, that's the big word. You've got to compromise with people. So when someone says, hey, oh, can you do this? Well, I can't right now, but I can do it at this time. Often that's enough for you for them to say, mm-hmm. all right, okay, then do it then. So like, for example, when someone comes to you and says, oh, I need you to do this now. Can you do this right now? And you're already doing something and you say, I can't, but I can do it at three o'clock. And they say, either they'll say, oh no, please, I need it really like right now. And you'll say, well, I can't, but I can do it at three o'clock. They will either then say, oh yeah, that's fine, do it at three. And then you're absolutely fine. You're doing it at a time slot that you could do it. Or they'll say, oh, that's not good enough. I'll find someone else to do it. And then they'll go and find somebody else. The alternative option is you say yes to keep them happy and you've now got double the workload at 11 o'clock in the morning. You do the work for them that needs doing at 11 and all of a sudden you've not done the work that you're supposed to have been doing because you're doing something for somebody else. Mm. They're happy, you're not. And depending on the line of work you're in, the work that you was doing has now upset your client or person that you was doing something for. So we've not pleased somebody else. And I think it always comes back down to this idea of you can't please everybody. And so it's really important that you find ways to say no. And honestly, one of the best ways to do it is I can't right now, but I can at this time. And always there will be a solution. We've got a perfect example of that as well of like one of our clients who um, worked in a hospital and she was taking quite a large workload. She had her annual leave booked in and someone said to her out on the last minute, um, can you take on this extra per, uh, patient? And she was like, well, no, because I've got a certain amount of paperwork that needs doing. I'm starting annual leave tomorrow. And if I take on that person, I'm not going to be able to leave on time. I'm really sorry, but I can't. That person then walked away and found somebody else. Yeah, there'll be like, someone else. Yeah, there always will. There, she there has could have to easily be. just said yes and stayed later. But mm. she was like, no, I want to leave on time. <laughs> I've got mm. my annual leave. I need to get all these things ticked off. I'm getting it done. And it's that... You, if you say no, that there is, there's got to be someone else who can do it. Hundred percent, and it always comes back to this idea that we get that this is difficult to hear. And like I said before, five years ago, I'd listened to this episode and I'd been like, "You're wrong, Phil. Nope, you're absolutely wrong. I've not got the time to. I'm too busy. I've got a lot on." But I, I know now, looking back, that I wish somebody would have told me this five mm. years ago and not two years ago. Start small with it as well. So like, start really small. Like that example that I just give is quite a large example of saying no, mm. because it was just an outright no. <laughs> but like Phil said, the kind of, oh, can we do it at this time? Or can I do it on this day? Or even just starting out as something tiny, like someone says, do you want to go for a coffee? And you know that if you go for that coffee, you won't get what you need to get done. Got done. perfect example of this. Oh, okay, go Client on. put it in her weekly update last week. No, the week before, and she, her friend asked her to go for a coffee, and she is a, she is somebody who said that she's a people pleaser, she says yes to absolutely everybody, mm. and she realised that if she went for that coffee, she'd be absolutely shattered, she was too tired to go for that coffee, she really didn't want to go, and so what she said was that she couldn't, because she was going to get her hair done, and she went and got her hair done instead. Mm-hmm. she wasn't going to get in her done but what she realised was that she'd been putting it off for so much time because she kept saying I've not got the time I just can't go and get it done and so what she did was she just said oh I'm busy I'm going to get my hair done and then just went and got her hair done so mm-hmm. instead of saying yes to that thing that would have drained her energy she went and did something that gave her energy yeah and I love that I think that's a really nice example of it and knowing that if by saying yes to something it's going to put you under unnecessary stress and pressure people are understanding if you just say i'm really sorry i can't right now because i've got to finish x y and z or i've got this booked in already even like phil said like it might not be booked in but go and do it because that's what you need to do right now Mm -hmm. 
that person isn't going to be upset. Like, you've just got a plan. You've already got something that you need to do. They're not going to be offended, especially if you say, can we do it at this time instead? Well, that's the big thing, because usually, like, if I'm, let's say I'm saying to Jen, like, oh, Jen, can we go for a coffee at one o'clock? The only reason I'm saying, can we go for a coffee at one, is because I've checked my diary already and I'm free at one. That doesn't mean I'm saying to Jen, if you can't go at one, that's it, we're over. It just means I'm saying, if we can't go at one, tell me when we can, basically. Whereas if I say to Jen, can we go for a coffee, you tell me when you're free, and she then says three o'clock and I look at my diary and I'm like well I'm not three three at that time it's like that's when it starts being confusing so people only come to you with a time because they've already checked Mm -hmm. they probably 99 times out of 100 expect you to check and if you're busy just say well I'm busy like can we do it at three Mm -hmm. instead that person then might check their diary and go actually I'm free at that time Mm -hmm. as well oh we'll go at that time it's just it's that compromise isn't it just working out when we're both another really really good example I was um, computing lead at the first school that I worked at and for some reason, when you're computing lead in a school, people think that you're a technician and can fix everything. And I would, I remember once someone turned up at my door with a lead and just went, eh, Miss Kay, can you fix this? I was literally in the middle of teaching a maths lesson. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> no, I really can't. Can you not see that I'm still teaching children? I just said, no, can you uh, bring it back at bake time and I'll have a little look at it then for you. Um, and she did. No, actually, what I started getting really good at is... No, do you want to just log it on the system? Because yeah. <laughs> we had a system for logging errors with technical stuff so that the technician could do, deal with it. So I just said, oh, I'm just in the middle of teaching right now. Is there any chance you could log it on the system and the technician will fix it for you? Because that wasn't my role. Yeah, I found for a long time, I, w- I would have probably said, stop my teaching and gone, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll fix that lead for you, even though I don't want yeah. to. So at the moment, we're running through all these different reactive ways, which are yeah. incredible. But I genuinely find that the reactive strategies to use, although they're probably the most powerful are often the most difficult because, you know, saying no to somebody, trying to compromise with somebody, giving somebody alternative options. These are things that in the moment, if you are somebody who considers yourself to be a people pleaser, a helper, a carer, a giver, it'll probably trigger you straight away to go, no, I need to say yes, I need to say yes to this person, I need to do, you know, so it's, it's difficult in that moment. Whereas what you can do instead is be really proactive with this. And one of the best ways to be proactive is to plan things in advance is to actually be in charge of your time, which comes kind of alongside setting boundaries. And when you've already set those boundaries, you can then plan a little bit more effectively. But if you're planning in advance when to do things, you can take a little bit more control over what happens and when. So if you're planning your week and you're saying, right, I'm gonna train at this time, I'm gonna walk at this time, I'm gonna eat at this time, I'm gonna work at this time, you then know what your week looks like. So you can then proactively reach out to other people and you can be the one that's in charge of what's going on. You can be the one sending the text, say, do you want to go for coffee at this time? You can be the one that says no because you already know what's going on at that time. And what it also allows you to do is to plan in things that allow you to switch off from what is currently draining your battery. Because if you're a teacher, if you're a nurse, if you're in a job where you have to take home quite a lot of stuff and quite a lot of, and I don't mean physical things, I think mental things tend to be heavier than the physical things. If you're taking home a lot of mental energy and a lot of experiences and a lot of people's feelings and emotions you can find it incredibly difficult to switch off from that job if you can plan in things proactively that allow you to switch on to something else so we're not talking about switching off we're not talking about doing nothing because that just basically puts you in a position where you just spiral and think about those things even further but if you can plan things in that allow you to switch on to something else so think about the things that make time fly by think about the things that make you forget what's going on in the world all those activities those things that you know exercise can be a great one but just you know something that works really well for you 
planning those things in will just allow you to come away from all those things that are absolutely sapping you of energy and give you some more. I think that is such a big one because for such a long time I would beat myself up for not being able to switch off because I thought switching off was sitting and doing nothing. Mm. I thought it was like that's how I recharge my energy. I sit in a bath and do nothing or I sit and watch TV and do nothing. Like That was what I thought switching off was. And actually one of the biggest things that I've learned over the last year or so is that actually switching off can mean, like you say, switching on to something else that gives me energy. And my energy comes from having an active mind. Mm. Like I get energy from stimulating my brain and having something to focus on. Mm -hmm. So like doing things that allow me to think so... I don't know, I'm still working on what that is for me. I absolutely am. Jiu-jitsu. Um, Jiu-jitsu is hopefully going to be my next one. Uh, but in the past, I've done things like crafty stuff. I love doing crafts. I've done like jigsaws, um, reading, like things that actually allow my brain to switch on, mm-hmm. but not to something that wasn't work. And I think that is a really huge one for people who are givers because I think people who are givers tend to spend their spare time thinking about how they can continue to give. 100%. And I think if you can find ways to give that thinking power to yourself by having those activities that allow you to switch on, then you're giving that energy to yourself rather than to other people even when they're not around. And I think that's really powerful. 100%. And I think it's probably, you know, it's really important we mention, we get that this podcast episode has probably been difficult to listen to yeah. at certain points. But what's really important is that we continue to show up and sometimes tell you what you need to hear rather than what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Because quite often the most powerful, most pivotal changes happen when you really do dig deep into what's actually holding you back. And I know there's probably a million and one other podcast episodes where you can listen to somebody else who will sit here and say, no, you're right, you are too busy and you should continue being a people pleaser. Those people aren't going to help you improve your health. And one huge share from me is that I left teaching largely due to stress and I always thought that it was education that was causing the stress. However, I know for a fact now that it was absolutely me who was causing that stress because I I know now that I'm in charge of my emotions and the way that I was interpreting situations, reacting situations, the way that I was thinking about myself was what was causing that internal stress for me. It was the pressure I was putting on myself. It was it was the expectations I had for myself. It was the perfection that I was striving for, all of these things were causing the chaos in my mind that led to that stress and that anxiety for me. And I think if I could share one thing, it would be that if you can take a little bit of ownership, which is, this is so difficult to hear, and if you can take a little bit of ownership for those emotions and ask yourself, is it me who's causing them? Your life will change drastically. Because since I've recognised that I am in control of the emotions, my life has changed drastically. So again, that's a hard thing to hear, but it is coming from a place of love and understanding, like I said before, because I've been there. I've experienced how you're feeling. I've experienced all of the dangers that we've talked about. And that is why we can sit here and say this now, because we've worked through it together we've come up with solutions we've worked on ourselves, and we're in a better place as a result of that and are able to give to a better 
extent though. The best of ourselves. We are giving the best of ourselves because we're looking after ourselves. Mm. We're, we're doing the things that serve us first before we serve anyone else. So we put that time into ourselves in the morning before we even sit down and go to work. So we do some kind of movement, some kind of reading, some kind of journaling. Like, doesn't mean you have to go away and do all of this, but think about one thing maybe that you could do today before you do anything else that's going to fill up your cup a little bit. Just one thing. One thing that you know gives you energy, makes you feel really good. And maybe if you're listening to this now, do it tonight. Maybe if you're listening to it now and you're thinking, oh, I've always wanted to do that in the morning. Do it in the morning. Get up five, ten minutes earlier than you have been doing. Don't just roll out of bed and go to work. Give something to yourself before you get to work this morning or tomorrow morning, whenever it is, and and feel that great feeling that you get as a result of doing that. And if you want to be held accountable to that, message us. Just tell us what you're going to do. Tell us what you're going to do. Because that makes it so much more powerful when you do that. Okay, Jen. So, time for me to put you on the spot. Okay. Yes. So, this question came in. Yes. Idea. Yes. I actually got a question from the the question and the joke are both from Sarah. Okay. Two different Sarahs. Oh. <laughs> so, for whatever reason, DMs like come from Sarahs these days. So, if anybody next week who's called Sarah would like to DM me with a question <laughs> or a joke, that'd be fantastic. But also, not to discriminate, if you're not called Sarah, you can also send a question. We're in. not exclusively Sarahs. We're not. Neither of us are Sarah. <laughs> if you could interview a famous person, who would you choose and why? <gasps> oh. Have I not had this one before? Oh, I don't know. I've lost track. I told you. I'm 53 episodes in. I think I always just go for Greg James on the celebrity question. The, no, you have yeah, gone for Greg question. James before, but I don't think it was who you could interview. No. Oh. Um. Interview. You've got to remember, Jen, if you're going to interview someone, it's based on what they're going to tell you, not just because you get to stare at them for an hour. Yeah. Do you want to know my gut reaction? Go on. David Attenborough. Oh, what an answer. Go yeah. on. Do you know what? I don't think you need to tell me why. I just feel like he'd have so much to give, wouldn't he? Oh, I hope he looks after himself as well. I know. I hope he fills up his Did own cup. Did you see that sets um, boundaries and picture yesterday no when that environment thing was going on and everyone had a mask on? Apart from Bozza. Bozza was sat next to David Attenborough and said if 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 something about not wearing a mask next to David Attenborough and it made me sad. Mm, I love David Attenborough. I know. Do you remember that time of year last year when all those celebrities started dying and everyone was like, ah. Protect David Attenborough at all yeah. costs. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that happens a lot though, doesn't it? Yeah. Like we just have like a two, three month period where kind of like everyone... I also feel like I need to learn more about the like impact of the environment and stuff like that. So I feel Do like you? he'd be a good person to educate me on that. I'd like to know more. Yeah. I would like to know I don't more. think that that's something I know enough about. I do what I can do on my day-to-day basis. But I feel like I could do with knowing more. Mm. Something I need to expand my knowledge in. Yeah. And I, I'll be completely honest with you. I only actually watched... Um, is it called Planet Earth? Yes. I only watched that for the first time like last year or something, didn't I? Like, I'd never seen it before and it's absolutely spectacular. Really like is, if you've never it? seen it, which isn't actually worth well, saying because everyone's seen it. Any any David Attenborough Just any program. But the, rec- the, vi- oh, the quality of the... Oh my... It's just out of this world. It's, it's not like it's on planet Earth. It? But you know what I mean? It's just... It's mad. I don't think it was Planet Earth that was on last year. I think that was one of the older ones. Was it? I can't remember what it was called. Well, maybe though. I started watching it sooner than I thought. Yeah. I think there's been one one recently that we missed. Oh, well, we need to catch up then, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Right, Jen, got a joke. Oh, hit me. Oh, I'm going to write you. You start no. jujitsu. <laughs> this is where it starts. Hit me and then she'll elbow me in the head. <laughs> wrestle me to the floor and kick me out top window. So, I've actually got a photo that accompanies this. Oh, have you? Just in case you don't understand the joke. Oh, that's likely. <laughs> yeah. What's the best thing about Switzerland? Oh, I don't know. It's a geography one. I don't know, but the flag's a big plus. 
<laughs> Does that mean you don't need to see the photo? I don't know what it looks like. <laughs> just for proof, I did actually have the photo just um, just ready to go, just in case. <laughs> just in case you didn't, you didn't know. Actually, when I was speaking to Sarah, who sent me through, that, I, that was my response. I was like, this is brilliant but I'm going to get the photo already just in case she doesn't get it. <laughs> That's actually one of the flags I know. I don't know many, but I do know that one. Mm-hmm. That's it's not bad, that, is it? Mm-hmm. Good luck, I like that you. one. Yeah, good. Fantastic yeah. stuff. Learn it or burn it. That's my favourite section at the moment. Is it? Mm, really mm. enjoying it. I feel like we flew through those two sections. You had two great answers, David okay. Attenborough, and you knew the joke. Yeah. Well, you didn't know the joke, but you understood it. I did, I understood it. Which is not always the case. I'm also wanting to reflect on other people that I would like to interview. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's a nice little segue into what we're going to be doing next on the podcast, isn't it? <gasps> ah, yeah. So we have touched on this a little bit, but I think it's really important now we do get some solid ideas in. So if you're still listening to episode 53, please let us know, because what we're going to now start doing... I think we told people last week. Yeah, I know, but I want some actual solid ideas now. Oh, right, okay, people on. did like us to interview. So we, we want to start bringing some people onto the onto the podcast to give you an insight into other people's views and different uh, opinions, different uh, journeys that people have been on. We basically want to bring you their stories, but also their opinions on different things. But what's really important is that we bring people on that you want us to bring on and we don't just pick random people because we want you, the listeners, to get the best out of it. Yeah. So what we basically want, as well as all the other things we ask you for, it's just for you to quickly let us know. Who would you love it if we could bring onto the episode? Who would you think would be brilliant for us to sit down and just have a chat with about them, their life, their views, their opinions on all things health, fitness, food, life, mind, body, etc., etc., etc. Like um, it. And on that note, thank you very much for listening. We're out. We are. Well, we're not. We're staying in, aren't we? Yeah. We just finished the episode. Yeah. Fantastic. We're out. Remember, like, rate, subscribe, share, do all those great things. We massively appreciate you. Have an absolutely fantastic week. And we'll catch up with you soon. ta